Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. It is time to light this candle. It's the Only Three Lads Ooh. podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I think I just uh, text that to you. Are you ready to light this candle? Did. And, We're going to uh, light this candle and burn the place down. There you go. What, which movie was that? I want to say Top Gun, but I don't think it was probably more of a uh, like a space movie or something uh, like the Spaceballs. Not that one. But that would I be think that a good was the movie. last space movie I saw. Well, now I want to say Apollo 11 or something. Okay. It was something where it's time to light this candle. I don't know where it is. But if you have an idea, you, you can always go to Facebook and leave it on our Facebook page. I would appreciate it. I'm into it. Yeah, there's always like a whole bunch of uh, stupid trivia, stupid like knowledge in my head. And uh, I'm getting to the age where there's only so much left, you know, only so many gigabytes left on the hard drive. Memory almost full. Yeah, so I, I, I erase a lot of things, but then also things get jumbled. So like stories, they meld in together. And so then, you know, it's, it's all screwed up. So I'm not really sure if that was. Well, this is good because we have built this podcast upon just dumb information. <laughs> well, I told you the story about how um, somebody told me, oh, that 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 was the foil wrapper from a ding dong. And I was like, um, they haven't had ding dongs individually wrapped in foil since 2012 and why would anybody know that because i know stupid <laughs> things that make zero dollars that's what i know well you you could use that i get like a like a, a private dick license what <laughs> i don't even know what that is but i'll i'll what, guess like i'll google it oh a private investigator private dick okay yeah that's a very yeah. dick tracy reference yes look at that yeah. okay well by the way <laughs> i'm uncle greg we have Brett Vargo, the rockter, the pro oh, yeah. professor of music. Hello. He knows more than all of us put together when it comes to this classic alternative genre. Well, I like to consider myself the private dick of music. All right. We're going to yeah. use that all, all episode, aren't we? <laughs> Maybe. You never know. 
Well, what we're taking a look at today is our top five albums of 1975. And really researching for this episode, I found that there was a lot of great hard rock albums came out that year. A lot of albums that I still listen to today. I had a little bit of trouble finding the classic alternative genre of 1975. Not that there wasn't great stuff out there, but hard rock. You had um, Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith. You Mm -hmm. had Bruce Springsteen. You had... uh, Gosh, well, who, a Pink Physical Floyd had a graffiti. big album. Physical Graffiti from Led Zeppelin. So all these great rock albums, but really trying to find a really good alternative album, you have to kind of look down the list. Yeah. Well, it was a weird year because, I mean, you had a little something for everyone. You had those albums that you mentioned, and then like some of my favorite albums kind of fell, I guess, in the mainstream, I guess, pop rock world, like Wings, Venus, and Mars, Fleetwood Mac's self-titled album, Bee Gees' main course, Wish You Were Here. But then you also had this great, amazing soul, funk, disco. I mean, you had That's the Way of the World by Earth, Wind, and Fire, Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Isaac Hayes, Um, didn't he release Chocolate Chip in 75? Isaac Hayes had, I don't know, he usually released an album or two every year, so I'm sure he had something. I'm not sure what came out in 75, but A Quiet Storm, Smokey Robinson. If you ever want to get a little amorous, (laughs) throw on A Quiet Storm by Smokey Robinson and it will almost certainly do the trick. Is that a call back to Private Dick? <laughs> and real quick here, 1975 was one of those years in music where people, you're right, they did put out more than one album. Like you take a look at yeah. Elton John. He had three number one albums that year, but his greatest hits album, he had Captain wow. Fantastic, and then he had yep. something of the Westies. Uh, I can't remember the name of the uh, album. Rock of the Westies. Rock of the Westies. Yeah. Um, so he had three number one albums that that year. That one year. It, could could you even imagine a record label putting out two albums in one no. year? Never anymore. It's very rare now. You had Taylor Swift last year that did it. Um, you know, it happens on occasion, but it's it's very rare. The way how they market and the market machine of the record labels now, and now that the record labels. They, if they have one misstep, if they have one curveball, if they have a whiff, they can go out of business. So that's why, like, you know, we always talk about it all the time. There's not much diversity. It all kind of sounds the same to me. It could be because I'm, you know, turning into that old man cue and we, our music was so much better. Oh, um, Greg Paul McGillicuddy, the yeah. grumpy neighbor next door. Yeah. He only likes, oh, my son, he's 16. All he does is give me crap about 80s music. So in the car yesterday, I made him listen to a bunch of 60s music, like Mamas and the Papas and Dig it. You yeah. know, the Turtles. And I just was like, now here's this band. And then, and then I was at Hot Topic yesterday. My son hates this, but I'm standing looking at all the T-shirts because I want to see the new T-shirts, the old T-shirts right. that are still on the wall. And so these young ladies, probably 20 years old, you know, could be a little bit older, a little bit younger. And they're talking like they know music. And like nothing mm. makes me want to punch people in the head. Well, not punch them. That's a little bit. I just want to whack them up, you know, alongside the head when they're sitting there, like talking, sounding so ignorant on music. Open-handed. Yeah. yeah. O- open-handed. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to do a fist. That's 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 a little bit aggressive. Um, but they were talking about. I don't really like the white stripes. And they're like, oh, look, the gorillas. <laughs> like, <laughs> I said, you don't listen to the gorillas. I said, you should. I said, you know, it's kind of like a hip hop. You know, the band Blur. And they said, yeah. I was like, well, Damon from Blur. That's kind of his side project they said and i started going into like way too much music um information that probably anybody could digest you know because like people in our community here of the only three lads podcast it's what we live for and we would be like 
like if we were at like a cocktail party, we'd be in our own circle talking about music and how this song is like this song and how this artist influenced that artist. And of course, most people are just like, I like music. And you're like, you don't even know. But hopefully I turned them on to the gorillas. I said, just listen to Clint Eastwood, Feel Good Inc. They got new stuff out too. Just check it out. So I hope that they did that. But then my son, going back to my son, I digress. Um, all the time he makes fun of my 80s music. And then he's like, uh, so did you talk to people about music in there? I'm like, yes, I did. He's like, of course. <laughs> but they have some great new gorilla t-shirts out if you get a chance. I've got two of them. Cool. And uh, they got some new ones that I have to go get. So I do shop at Hot Topic. And I'm that guy who's wearing the concert t-shirts at, you know, PTA hey. meetings. Yeah. And bonus. So there are probably a couple of younger ladies out there who are listening to gorillas and they're like, Oh, how did you hear about this one? Oh, some old guy at hot topic told me about him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Some creepy old guy. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, because you know, they were just talking and I was like, you don't know the gorillas, you know, cause I'll talk. My son's like that too. I'll talk to anybody at any time. I have talked to, I stood right there interviewing presidents of the United States of America with my job. And I've talked to bums in the gutter. And so I had this wide range of people who I uh, can't connect with, or at least, you know, get access to at times and so i could talk to anybody and my son hates that too he looked a little shifty i think he might have been a private dick yeah. all right our top five albums of 1975 i was not oh, listening no. to probably even the radio at this point i was still probably c is for cookie and that's good enough for me um probably listening to disco with my mom and my older sister yeah uh, i definitely probably wasn't listening to some of the albums that i have picked for my top albums of 1975. And let me kick it off with my very first one that I'm going to talk about. It's at number five this week. And uh, this album is really one that influences music to this day. Now, I'm not saying that I listen to this album every single day or often, but once in a while, I have to because it's so important. Kraftwerk's first all-electric album, Radioactivity. That's number five for me this week. Now, the German band released the album in two languages, German and English, and think of all the electronic synth bands that followed suit. I mean, come on. You can, there's bunches of them. Depeche Mode, Yazoo, Erasure. Uh, we could just go down the list. All the music that we love from early MTV really has its foundation, its baseline right here in this album. That's why I picked Kraftwerk's Radioactivity, number five of the classic alternative albums of 1975. All of them. There is not an electronic act out there that directly or indirectly does not owe something to Kraftwerk. And even if they don't know what they do. Yes, exactly. They deserve a shirt at Hot Topic. They should. Well, my number five obviously is going to be Captain and Tennille. Love will keep us together. Arr, matey. You want a more dumb, more dumb trivia you want to know? Yeah. Captain's always. brother. He was in... Um, the Surf Punks. Surf Punks. There you go. I, was, I, was, I almost said the Punk Surfs, but the Surf Punks. That's all right. But uh, yeah, how, how about that? Who, who would ever think that um, those two were brothers? Captain and Tennille and the Surf Punks. Brothers. Well, love certainly kept them together. It did. We hope. 
All right. No, it, but it's actually not. Arg. I still reserve the right to talk like a pirate. If, like many filthy Americans, just kidding, Americans, you only know Split Ends as the Finn Brothers' poppy new wave predecessor to Crowded House, take a seat. My number five album in 1975 is the first Split Ends album, Mental Notes. And there really should be an emphasis on the word mental here, because it's crazy. Split Ends was New Zealand's weirdest and most wonderful art rock combo. In those pre-Neil Finn days, the collective was helmed by Tim Finn and Phil Judd. The closest parallel I can make here is it's like Peter Gabriel era Genesis with all of the caked on makeup campiness intact, but with the proggy excesses replaced by a healthy dose of cabaret archness and literary references. For those who prefer the smooth poppiness of the Finn brothers, and, and I'll admit myself probably included, Phil Judd's bleeding warbling croon may be an acquired taste, but this is the work of slightly deranged genius. It's a weird record without any clear standouts, although I would say that probably Stranger Than Fiction is probably the one cut that comes closest to capturing the album's essence. Stranger Than Fiction Larger than life, full of shame Rather, the songs form a cohesive whole that immediately lures you into its parallel universe, then holds you captive for 45 minutes. It's a story of my life. Hearing from symphonic rock to piano-led balladry to music called a mandolin-driven folkiness, there's not another album like this one in Split Ends, catalog for sure, and probably not in music in general. I found myself in silver dreams, talking in my sleep to pawns and queens. I've spoken words, you know, but they just don't mean the same thing. So, that is my number five, Split Ends, Mental Notes. Arr. I'll have to put that in my mental note. I'm a big Split Ends fan, but I did, it was early MTV. I got you, One Step Ahead. Yeah. Uh, all those songs is what got me into that band. And then when you go into some other earlier catalog stuff from the 70s, yeah, they were definitely, nothing else was out there like them. Different. Yeah, weird, weird stuff. New Zealand. I definitely Zealand. want to go there one day. Ah, absolutely. Being that from Arizona, all I see is brown and dying and wilted stuff. We've had a little bit more rain than normal this monsoon, so there's a lot of weeds. So they're they're kind of green right now. Mm. But right. Um, I would love to see New Zealand. The green, green weeds of home. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, landing at number four on my list is from a guy who helped really invent the alternative music genre. You know, he did it with the Velvet Underground, and then he became a brand all his own. Of course, we know it's Lou Reed. You know, this street guy got that avant-garde art rock, mixed it with beauty and noise, and he did what he wanted. So rock and roll. In 1975, Lou Reed Live was released. Now, oh, yeah. I wish I had a time machine. We talk about this all the time. Now, do you remember the show Quantum Leap? Yeah. I love that show. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And basically, he can, he, he time travels within his lifetime and, you know, fixes people and you know, makes things right and all this other kind of cool stuff. And I used to love that show. Came on Wednesdays, NBC. When I was in high school, I would only get stoned on Wednesdays to watch that show because I worked out (laughs) the other days of the week. I got my dad into the show, so little little did he know that I was stoned to the bone, sitting on the couch with him watching Quantum Leap. All I 
But that's one thing that I wish that I could do in my lifetime. Just go see events, just leap from, you know, time event to time event. Uh, you know, just kind of see those shows or kind of, you know, experience those events that I missed or my mother would never let me attend and just go experience for myself. Because I think that seeing Lou Reed in concert in the early 70s, I mean, it really sounds like a bucket list item for me. And this is as close as I'll ever get to seeing Lou Reed in all his dirty glory. All that came from my aunt, the FLA. Hitchhiked away across the USA. Plugged a ride, browsed along the way. Shaved the legs and then he was a sheep that said, Hey, honey, who's a walk on the wild side? So that's why I picked Lou Reed, Lou Reed Live, as number four of my top albums of 1975. Ooh, that's a tasty album. Yeah. I was listening to it earlier today. That one rocks. Now, my whole body was tensing up because I thought you were going to pick Metal Machine Music for a second. No, 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 no. I think that was our... I, I picked it one time for like the weird... You did, yeah, yes. Yeah, and it, boy, you would... Uh, drugs wouldn't even help you. I mean, for people who... Like, you can get probably good ideas and still influenced by the sounds, but basically he like... It had to have been a joke. I mean, he got reverb and... Uh, yeah. It was, and then they put it out and people bought it. Now, of course, a lot of people want their money back. They, yeah, there, there were more <laughs> returns than there were purchases, but... Yeah, but hey, you know, who's counting? Right. But that is... Lou Reed Live is something to have. So the lesson to be learned here is getting stoned while watching Quantum Leap, good. Getting stoned to listen to metal machine music, bad. I don't know if it's bad. I wouldn't go bad. Like I said, people could be influenced. They could hear sounds or go, like, what? what is, you know... I, so I think that... Some artsy person with an artsy brain could maybe mold something cool out of that. Uh, Quantum Leap, maybe. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, I'm stretching, but I'm just trying to think maybe. But Quantum Leap, yeah, I really, I really enjoy that show. I think it's like on MeTV, you know, those like, yeah, that, that, those TV stations for the retired people where I watch Match Game 74. Oh, I'm into that. When making Whoopi, you know, remember the newlywed show? I was telling my son that the other day. Uh, you know, like now you would be like all right so you're banging your mom you know and then you speak when making whoopee and just how i don't know if it's a de-evolution or how advanced we've become yeah yeah they would still the the uh the brides would still blush and giggle at that hey making whoopee <laughs> <laughs> private dick <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, we, we've become a lot more um uncensored i guess as a general population i was watching gosh one of the just totally vapid shows on mtv so you know this whole last week i was staying in hotels and that's really the only time i ever watched like regular cable Cable. tv it's just it's it's awful but uh there was some show on mtv i think it was called like ridiculousness or something like that yes it's rob whatever the guy the, the skater who plays videos i mean it was just terrible and and vulgar and crude and i i would like to return a little bit back to that <laughs> newlywed game you know leave something up to the imagination i think it would work because it would be so different you know that's like howard stern when he went to satellite people were afraid the f-bomb would be thrown but then yeah. it becomes boring it's not dangerous anymore yeah so yep. you know howard stern was smart enough to know i can't do that you know if you're in conversation talking like adults then it comes out it comes out but to like do it every day or to like get vulgar or to do things that you know, you think we'll be titillating and you can get to say all these words. So I think it would work. Like if we went back to like a cutesy, ootsy, pootsy, 
You know, they yeah. they they, they kind of. Uh, but Alec Baldwin just came out. They did a few episodes of Match Game, and it was just like a That's few like right. months ago. But it was so. I just think Alec Baldwin, great actor, not a good game show host. So I think if they had somebody else, that might work. Because um, it's just joke writing is basically what that show is. Oh, pretty um, much. But yeah. the match game was always kind of like that. Oh, yeah. It was always supposed to kind of risque and kind of, you know. Yeah. You always had Charles Nelson Riley. Put the blank in the blankety blank. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out, you know, back then, everyone, it's kind of like a, a, a Paul Lynn. Everyone knew they were gay, but they just, they, they danced around it. Right. So. Yes, it became a part of the act. Yeah, but now we wouldn't have to dance around it. No. We could we could have like a, a a week of all uh gay entertainers. That would be fun to watch, I think. I'm in. Cuz think of the crazy things that you would hear. It's kind of like a, I, I don't know. You know how like, it's like some people get squeamish sometimes when like they could talk about their heterosexual experiences, but then when a friend comes up and is like one time and then they're like, "Ooh, they get all crazy and they feel all yeah. weird for a little bit." But that would be well, fun. People, I tell you. All right, we ready for my number four? Yes. Okay. It's tough for us filthy Americans to understand just how significant <laughs> this band and this album was to the development of UK punk rock. And I don't know why I'm picking on my fellow Americans today, so I apologize to Americans everywhere. But my number four choice is Dr. Feelgood's Down by the Jetty. On the surface, let's call it what it is. It's a kick booty little rock and roll record mixed in mono for maximum punch. And let me tell you, it does pack a wallop. Fueled by R&B, blues, early rock and roll, and plenty of adrenaline, these songs are tightly wound and even more tightly constructed. Feel Goods did for British music was important in that it really sparked the pub rock scene that led to punk rock. At a time when musical excess was in vogue, Dr. Feelgood stripped its rock and roll back to the basics, driving raw and primal. Classics like Roxette, She Does It Right, and All Through the City provided a good amount of the early DNA for Joe Strummer, Elvis Costello, Ian Dury, and many other pivotal figures on the new British music scene. Guitarist Wilco Johnson is virtually unknown here in the States, but is a guitar hero in the UK, employing a finger style that allowed him to play both percussive rhythm lines and tasty lead licks. Listen to Down by the Jetty and then listen to something like The Jams in the City and you can hear Wilco's influence all over that. This is a fun, thrilling rock record for those who didn't think they made him like that anymore in 1975. That's my number four, Dr. Feelgood, Down by the Jetty. So far, great list, 1975. Yeah, dig it. I knew that you would be bringing up some cool stuff. Arr, we're like private dicks digging all this stuff, you know, up from the dead. All right, well, up from the dead, don't forget, if you ever see one of our posts there on Facebook, please like it and share it. We would appreciate it. We want to build our only three lads podcast community. And for everybody who is listening, um, we're just amazed. This gets bigger and bigger. I'm surprised. I mean, not that we would probably do this even if there was just a few people listening. Totally. But I know the downloads are just building and building and building. And uh, we do appreciate, and we're only doing it with your help. So please get to the Facebook page, make sure and hit like, hit subscribe when you see the little bell so that you'll get notified 
whenever we post anything, we would appreciate you once again sharing and then uh, liking it. So that way more people get their eyes in front of it and we get more people to join the party. And love will keep us together. It will. And tear us apart. Who knows? (laughs) More of our top five albums from 1975 are coming up after this. Hi everybody, this is Andy Strickland from The Loft and you're listening to The Only Three Lads Podcast. O3LFAQ, number 736. Your show is called Only Three Lads, but I only hear two lads. What's up with that? Why don't you change the name to Only Two Lads? Great question. Yes, it's true. Once upon a time, there were three lads. One left the show and now there are two. But I guess the question is, why should we? We've grown quite fond of the name, and it gives us the flexibility to have a guest as a third lad or make the collective third lad you out there in the O3L community. So we definitely appreciate it when you engage on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Send us your lists, comments, and stories. Together, we can continue to make O3L one of the premier destinations for classic alternative music lovers everywhere. Music is Boredom by R-O-L-V-N-D. For more, visit soundcloud.com slash Y-U-N-G-R-O-L-V-N-D. Now back to the show. We are back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. And don't forget, you can get us on many different of your favorite podcasting platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app, and probably the easiest, I just go to Google and type in or speak in Only Three Lads podcast, and we're right there. Smart speakers, too. Smart speakers, too. Any other place they can get us? There's so many different podcast aggregators out there. So I think if you just type in only three lads on Google, Google. if you're not picky about which one, you're going to find something. You're going to find something out there. But it's pretty amazing, this whole Internet thing. And here I thought it was just a fad. <laughs> yeah, more than a fad. I do want to say that uh, you were saying this to I don't know if we talked about this in the episode or just we were talking amongst ourselves. We're like in the top 20 percent of podcast or is it music oriented podcast no no it is all podcast based on the amount of downloads that we get every month that puts us in the top 20 percent of podcasts wow i don't know so the the next step what's the next goal top 15 or top 10 let's go for the gusto let's go for top 10 all right and we only do it with your help from the community so please again uh tell your friends about us like us share us and then we'll see how we can build this up and rate and review If you're on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts right now or Google or whatever, and you have that option to just, you know, usually click the number of stars and maybe write a quick five word review, take 10 seconds. It really helps our visibility. So thank you very much if you've already done that. If not, please do that. We would appreciate it. Top five albums of 1975. That's what we're talking about this week. And at number three for me is an album that brought us White Punks on Dope. Now, this is a bit of a homer pick. Of course, the Tubes, even though they're known as a San Francisco band, their genesis was here in the Valley of the Sunstroke. That's where I am, Phoenix, and it's where the bands first started playing together. There were two Phoenix bands that relocated to San Francisco in 1969. It was the Beans and the Red, White, and Blues band, and uh, that's how they got together. One of the guys in the band, uh, basically... They were here in Phoenix, then he went to San Francisco for art school. They followed him, hence they're in San Francisco, San Francisco band.
But it's the stage show that around this album that became legendary and then broke them into show business in L.A. and San Francisco. And most people know the tubes from, you know, Talk to You Later and She's a Beauty and on early MTV. But uh, this tubes album, it's some of the Ross moments. So if you get a chance, make sure and check out the tubes, their debut album, the tubes. It's at number three for me this week of the top albums of 75. All right. You have to be in a mood, though. It's not like it's not yeah. one of those uh, amorous type albums you would put on, like to impress a girl. <laughs> she would think, oh, I think I have herpes. I have to go. If, in that case, <laughs> it's a little bit out there. We just got done with a quiet storm, and now here's the next one. It's called White Punks on Dope, baby. Yeah, White Punks on Dope. another bit like i would love to go see the tubes san francisco 1974 yeah you know what that must have been like uh had to be wild probably had to leave and get a penicillin shot it was probably probably great during that time you still didn't have a lot of shocking acts i mean you had alice cooper and maybe new york dolls and kiss but it was still relatively subdued well yeah that's why you know but well alice cooper when did he really get into the shock genre was it I mean, he was with Frank Zappa for, for that time. Yeah, yeah. But probably around the time of Love It to Death and like, you know, 71, 72, I'd say he was, they were starting, I think they were still a band at the time, were starting to find okay. their niche. Well, yeah, because Alice Cooper, we went to the same high school, Cortez uh-huh. Coles. But uh, he graduated before I was born. But anyways, he came out with an album that year too, which one was, was it, Um, not Billion Dollar Babies. It was either Billy, uh, Welcome no. to the Nightmare? Welcome, welcome to, to nightmare. yeah, Welcome to, to My Nightmare came out in 75. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Another yeah. great album. Yeah, that's a good one. Not in this genre, though. Not quite. You know, around 75, you could probably make a case for any of this stuff. Somehow, I mean, music was just that varied. So yeah. really, what was an alternative to anything else? I think everything was an alternative to Captain and Tennille. Probably. That was big Arr. in those days. All right. All right, well, my number three album comes from a bratty Long Island power pop band called Milk and Cookies and their lone self-titled album. You can't judge a book by its cover, my bum. With this record, you get a good sense of what you're dealing with from the album jacket. Four long-haired kids hanging out in the high school gym, watching girls, their gazes pitched somewhere between wide-eyed innocence and lecherous teenage lust. Song titles like Little Lost and Innocent and Not Enough Girls in the World suggests that they really know how to follow through on a theme. The song's penned by guitarist Ian North and delivered with singer Justin Strauss's breathy, high-pitched pout were tough to market in 1975. Had they come a couple years later, it would have been easy to lump them in with the New York punk crowd, but by that time, North had gone solo and bassist Sal Maida had already joined Sparks. But in 1975, they were too poppy and unassuming for glam rock and too leering and horny to be splashed across the pages of the teen magazines. Plus, sharing management with Sparks, they were moved to the UK to follow a similar career path to Sparks, recording with Muff Winwood, yes, Steve's brother for Island Records, so that pretty much removed them from any sort of burgeoning New York scene. Little lost in a safe. Little lost in a safe. 
left with an album that stiffed at the time and killed the band in the process, but has gone on to be appreciated and counted as an influence by those who have caught it on one of its periodic reissues. Great pop record, full of youth and fun, and it is Milk and Cookies. Number three. Number three. Number three. So that means we're up to our runner-ups already of our top albums of 1975. We do quick work. We are doing quick work this week, I'll tell you that. All right, well, my number two is one of the my top albums of 75. Uh, it was a transition album for this artist. He called the album sound Plastic Soul. So, of course, David Bowie's album, Young Americans. I mean, just take a look at the track listing. Young Americans, Wind, Fascination, a song written by or co-written by Luther Vandross. He also did some backup vocals on that. Yeah, that yeah. Luther Vandross. Uh, and then you had, um, what else there? Uh, the song Right was the next song. Somebody Up There Likes Me, Across the Universe. There was this songwriting duo, Lennon and McCartney, that wrote that song. I mean, you might yeah. have heard of them. Little, little duo. Yeah, little duo. Um, and then there's song, uh, Can You Hear Me? And then, of course, Fame came off Young Americans. I think it's iconic, this album. David Bowie's iconic. there's ever an album of the year of whatever year we're doing probably for me david bowie somehow is going to land on it as i get older i just recognize his genius more and more and the guy just i doubt we'll ever see a career like that again where somebody can go so many different directions and still uh you know get rbis and base hits and grand slams and home runs like he always did and uh so that's why uh of course you got to pick david bowie Young Americans as number two album of 1975 for me. Great pick. Obviously, I was hoping you would pick it because I did not, thinking that you might. Uh, but. You, you know, you bring up an interesting point, and I think you're right. I don't think that a career like Bowie's could ever be replicated. No. Because let's face it, if anybody tries it now, it's going to be so self-conscious that they're trying to pull a Bowie, right? That they cannot do it with any sort of legitimacy or sincerity, I think. Or even, yeah, you know, like social media hate. Oh, they're trying to be like Bowie. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. We're all influenced by somebody. We're standing on the shoulders of somebody. It could right. be your parents. It could be like sometimes your art. And um, also like, you know, the tubes, like when they were doing all their crazy stuff on stage, no label's going to go, oh, we want to get behind that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The suits are such suits now. It's just corporate. You know, like if you take a look at the late 60s, they were putting out art. That's what the people who own the labels say. We want to put out art. And then now they sell units, you know, so it's like it's just so corporate. But maybe it had to go that way. I don't know. But that's why hopefully there's a way, like there's a lot of people, I was talking to somebody recently, and maybe you, I don't know. Again, the hard drive, there's only so much space left. <laughs> but basically, you know, um, if you do it yourself, if you have like a thousand fans, rabid fans, you could still make a living, you know, sure. and you could like, you know, tour and see different, you know, cities. But like to, to get those people huge, like the arena rock stuff, there's really not no like huge bands anymore. Like we had, you know, Depeche Mode and NXS and, you know, Soundgarden and Pearl yeah. Jam. Name one band that's like that now who's new, who's maybe five years into it. 
I can't. I'm, they might be out there, but no. But they, yeah, because there's not like one band that could fill a stadium, and it's not their fault. There's still a lot of great art being made, a lot of great music, a lot of fun music, youthful music, music about partying, youthful about uh, you know songs about important things. Um, but they just don't get the exposure. Like we all had the common experience of radio or MTV, and now it's so diluted that you know with the social media and the way music, you, you know, it just like I was watching somebody and it was kind of a joke. It was on social media this week. But this this woman who probably could be a only three lads podcast community member was talking about how she was telling her teenage daughter how they would you know wait on hold for a half an hour by right. calling the radio station to request the song and then to sit in front of the radio to listen for that song to come on so they could hit play and record to have the song <laughs> to listen to it again. And her teenage daughter said, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah. It's a foreign concept. Yeah, and it's like, but that's what music meant to us. And music means a lot to young people today, too. You know, they know all their songs, and, you know, and they have the things that, that 20 years from now will, will bring them back to their favorite place of their life, or at least an important, fun part of their life. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like uh, it's much more easier. And there's, you know, when you waited for that hour to, fu- to hear the song that you wanted to hear that you requested, you also heard all this new music that then turned you on. Right to new right. things and that's what i think is missing there was a certain gratification to that too right where you had to seek out and you had to you know almost hunger for hearing the song again or saving up enough to buy the the record or the tape or whatever and now it's alexa play the song yeah okay or do you remember mtv you would go home after school turn it on and then duran duran Planet Earth would come on. So then I'm running to the phone to call up my buddy. Dude, dude, the, the video's on. I was just telling you about You got to turn on MTV right now, right now. And yeah. that was like a big thing too. Like you would like call up your friends, put it on this, that, that, that song's on that you love. And um, there's not that either because you can just go YouTube. Boop, boop, boop. But, but the same things that we're getting nostalgic for and we're thinking, oh, it was so much better back then. If there are any kids, and I doubt that our demographic maybe runs as deep as any kids that don't remember MTV or listening to the radio or whatever, but whatever. Let's let's say there are. Let's say you're in the car and your dad's torturing you by making you listen to this podcast. Yeah, maybe. Why am I listening to them talk about private dicks? This is weird, Dad. <laughs> uh, but they're probably going, what's better about that? What's better about having to sit on hold and talk to a DJ to ask him to play a song than go to a tape machine? I don't even know what a tape recorder is. I got my phone. Let me tell you why it's worth it. The adventure. It is. It's all about the adventure. That's what we bring back here on Only Three Lads. The adventure. It's not the destination. It's getting there. What are all the stories about? It's always about the struggle about getting you to where you want to be. And sometimes in life you say, I want to be this when I grow up, or I want to do this in five years. And so you kind of aim your dart towards that dartboard, but then your dart goes somewhere else and it's even better. You know what I mean? And that's what life is. It's the struggle. Um, You know, it's responsibility. And I sound like an old man now, but it really, as you get older and you get wiser, it's really about the responsibility. It's really about the people around you and who you love, and that's going to give you fulfillment in life. The Lambo ain't yo G. Uh, you know, being on, being at the MTV Music Awards, that's not fulfilling. It's kind of a cool experience to have, but the fulfilling part is the artist making those albums, making the sounds, 
discovering things together, um, being in the recording studio. Whenever we interview the people like that, what are they talking about? Are they talking about, you know, being cool? Or are they talking about the experiences and the connections backstage or right. in the recording studio? Right. It's the struggle. It's the str- it's, and the struggle is real. And it is. And that's where yeah. you find your magic in the struggle. Yes. But maybe there will be something romantic about talking to future generations and like, I hit a button on my laptop and, uh, you know, like a bunch of sounds came out. It was cool. Yeah. You know, well, now it's going to get to the point of, I don't even have to think about what I want. And then it just happens. Yeah. Because the algorithm already knows what I'm thinking or what I'm going to think in like a day from now, dude. So it's like, I don't ever even have to experience life, you know? So we're a drone and we're in cubicles and we have the universal salary coming from the government. And so I could just sit around, smoke pot all day and wish that I could do things that I dream of. Wow. Kind of a pessimistic look at the future. But yet at the same time, that was heavy. (laughs) That was heavy, Heavy, man. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What's even heavier is our number one albums from 1975. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that in just a second. Well, after I do my number two. Oh, I'll see. Sorry, man. That's all yeah, right. Yeah, I was going right. off. I'm going to do my number two now. Okay, and then you're going to talk about, so we got to take a little break or what? Yeah, well, I'll do my number two and then we'll take a little break and yeah, kind of the, the same well, thing thought, we've been doing yeah. for 74 episodes. Okay, well, yeah, no, well, I was being kind of facetious because you don't really <laughs> so take- So was I. <laughs> you don't really take a number two, you leave it, so. Oh, I, you know what? <laughs> Gosh. I did screw up. I didn't know you didn't do your number two yet. You know, but you my mind doesn't do go to these, to these deep, dark places like yours, Greg. It doesn't, because um, you are the moral <laughs> compass of this podcast. We talk about it all the time. Um, but yeah, after this episode, that may be a little suspect, but <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. All right. Well, my number two, as far as electronic music was concerned, 1975 was as important as any. We had so many great electronic-based albums that year. Greg, you mentioned one with Kraftwerk Radioactivity. Uh, we had Eno's Another Green World, which made it very close to my list. Harmonia's Deluxe was another one that was very close to making it. And my number two album, Noi 75 by Noi. So while Kraftwerk usually gets a lot of the love nowadays, Noi was another important touchpoint in the evolution of synthesized music. It makes sense that the band was actually an offshoot of Kraftwerk when Klaus Dinger and Michael Rother left the Kraftwerk mothership. Noi's incessant driving 4-4 beat, known as Motorik, provided a solid bed upon which they could lay whatever the heck experimental sonic textures they wanted. The album reaches a thrilling climax halfway through with the song Hero, which adventurously melds electronics with frenetic guitars. With sneering Jagger-esque screaming vocals, it grabs you by the jugular and doesn't let go until it fades into the sonic ether six minutes later and then morphs into one of the most important and defining tracks of the electronic genre, e-music. This was an obvious influence on the direction of punk, post-punk, and dance music, even if they don't always get their due credit. But more than anything, it still sounds like an exciting reminder of a time when boundaries were being stretched and that possibilities were limitless. Away, 
sitting at number two this week is Noi 75. Noi. They were the French band, right? Uh, no, they were German. German. Another German. I wonder why all the Germans did all the electronic yes. music. What was that? There's got to be some subconscious thing with the German society. Yeah. I mean, they make great cars. Something, something about the very cold and calculating divide in Germany at the time. Could be. Interesting. Look at that. Getting deeper into oh, psychology totally. and sociology of Germany in the mid-70s. That no one thought we were going to do that. We are your favorite classic alternative music slash German sociological podcast, awesome. after all. Well, I like Germany. I would like to go there one day. A lot of cool buildings. I think that'd be yeah, fun. It would. All right, it's the Only Three Lads podcast. We take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Sometimes we get scientific. Sometimes we're just knuckleheads. It's just what it just happens. Um, <laughs> we are really appreciate that you are here, a part of this community and show your community pride by going to the Facebook page. We have a great store there with a lot of different t-shirts. And if you have a t-shirt idea, run it by us. Brett might, <laughs> because it's always Brett, Brett might uh, sit there and, and make it happen. Whatever. Yeah. But, so if you, if you have a good idea, we have a lot of cool, cool t-shirts on there. I remember the very first one that we had, uh, and then we've just evolved from there, and there's a bunch of great ones. Yeah. Yep. So, it is growing. Eventually, we will take over the world. And Ray Paul, our past guest, did you see what he did on Facebook? Yeah, he took his T-shirt, posted it. Looks lovely. He had the uh, I Want My O3L podcast shirt. Beautiful. It was beautiful. Beautiful. And on Ray Paul, no relation to me, by the way, uh, but because um, my last name technically is Paul. It Technically, yes. Yeah. We were talking earlier and throughout my whole grade school and even into high school, people are like, Greg Paul, Greg Paul, like I'm. Greg Paul McGillicuddy, you know. Hey, hey, I'm from Phoenix. We listen to country music. This is Greg Paul McGillicuddy on 102.5 KNIX. I actually the worked actor. Well, I I was Greg Gunner, but that was at Camel Country 108. Mm, Greg Gunner. Greg Gunner. Name my well, name myself af- after my dog. That sounds my, good. Yeah, Greg Gunner. Maybe I should be Greg instead of Uncle Greg. Greg Gunner of the only. Well, I don't know if that would work. Greg Gunner. I like Uncle Greg. I love Uncle Greg. Yeah. Maybe you could be Uncle Greg Gunner. Maybe. Un- or Uncle Gunner. Uncle Gunner. Just dispense with Greg altogether. Who needs it? Who needs my name? Hell with it. All right. <laughs> so get there. Get a t-shirt. Make sure that you show your community pride. We are going to be get back after this with our number ones of our favorite albums of 1975. Thank you, Uncle Gunner. You're welcome. Simon Gallup, the longest standing member of The Cure after Robert Smith, announced his departure from the band on August 14th, quote, with a slightly heavy heart, end quote. When pressed further, Gallup responded that he just got fed up of betrayal. Simon has been a key component of The Cure's sound for 40 of the past 42 years. In other news, the specials will release a new album on September 24th entitled Protest Songs, 1924 to 2012, featuring their singular interpretations of 12 songs, ranging from Frank Zappa's Trouble Every Day to Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows to Bob Marley's Get Up Stand Up. The lead track, a cover of the staple singer's Freedom Highway, is now available.
Thanks for sticking around to the Only Three Lads podcast. We are taking a look at our top five albums of 1975. We said it earlier in the podcast that 1975, a big year for rock albums. For me, not a big year for classic alternative albums, but they were out yeah. there. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff and maybe some stuff that I missed. That's why I was interested in seeing your list, Brett. Absolutely. And likewise, my list, I mean, if we want to talk about honorable mentions now, because my list was really all over the place. I had, I don't know, stuff that I didn't know where it fit, but I put it down anyway. There's an album by a band called Cream Soda called Tricky Zingers, which is kind of a throwback to like 60s psych. Neil Young, Tonight's the Night, mm-hmm. very harrowing album. Guy Clark, Old Number One, ELO, Face the Music, Witch, Lazy Bones. I had some reggae on there, Burning Spear, Marcus Garvey, Bob Marley, Natty Dread. So, I mean, I was just kind of all over the map, but that pretty much sums up 1975. And then there was a lot of artists, we talked about this earlier, there was a lot of artists that in 1975, maybe there wasn't an alternative radio station, but if they came out today, they would be on alternative radio, like Bob Dylan. Yeah. You know, Blood on the Tracks, his album came out that year. Um, You also had Sparks. Uh, Yeah, which Sparks album was out that year? Indiscreet. Indiscreet, okay. Um, You also had ELO. Yeah, Face the Music. They had a great album that year. So there's a lot of people out there that we could have used. Probably the biggest song that I remember from 75 and that I had listened to early on would be Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, Back in the Saddle. I'm back in the saddle again. I'm back. I think that was on Toys in the Attic. No, no, Back in the Saddle was on uh, uh, 1976. That was on Rocks. Okay, well, see, I'm wrong again. That one was Walk This Way and Sweet Emotion and Big 10-inch Record. Well, it was right around that time then, 76. But that was back, that's probably the first Aerosmith song that I guess I connected with. Let's see, yep, Sweet Emotion, Walk This Way, Toys in the Attic. It's a great record. Yeah, but not as big as our number ones, though, this week. Yeah, let's talk number ones. All right, well, topping my list of the best albums of 1975 is one from a band that I recently noticed somehow, somewhere in my musical taste development, they got into my subconscious. And I didn't even realize this, but this is one of the bands that had to have been there. They really helped define my musical taste really from then till now so far. I don't know, maybe if I change or if I get Alzheimer's or something and I forget and become a whole different person. But I recently watched a video where Nile Rodgers, producer, of course, Duran Duran, Madonna, David Bowie, Inexcess, Thompson Twins, the B-52s, um, all these great bands, and then not even out of the genre, a thousand other songs that you also know. But Mr. Rogers said that he and his band, mates from Chic, went to go see Roxy Music, and the way they dressed influenced Chic. He said that the band wanted to be the Black Roxy Music. So Roxy yeah. Music, in 1975, they came out with an album, Siren, and it really kicked off the band's romantic tone that is now the signature of all their work still today uh the baseline on the album's first track love is the drug um that's everything you know that i love about music a strong baseline uh funky Roxy Music, if they inspired Nile Rodgers, which inspires a lot of the music that we love here on the Only Three Lads podcast, I have to go with them. So 1975, my favorite album, Roxy Music, Siren. Please don't. 
I knew it. You picked it, huh? Uncle Gunner. <laughs> I wrote down that that's going to be Greg's number one. You were right. I mean, yes. Love is the Drug, when I hear that song, it still doesn't seem old to me. No. I don't know. It still sounds just, very fresh. Yeah. it's just. I mean, when you think of all the songs that have ripped it off since. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's really the template for a lot of the music that I love. Yeah. And uh, definitely, definitely uh, still to this day. And that's, I just love Roxy music. Always have. All right. You got any guesses for my number one? Well, it's going to be either Sparks or something off the wall. Um, No. No. Not really. I mean, it is, it is. I, I guess, a bit off the wall, depending on your definition. But Well, Brett is, would, would you say it's Brett Weird? No, it's, it's not Brett Weird. When you think about albums from 1975. So what I did was I went to an album that came to mind as being the album that shaped the future direction of alternative music. My number one album is Horses by Patti Smith. It's an album that I've listened to over the past probably 25 years, and I still don't think that its nuances have really sunk in yet. It's of course been celebrated as one of rock's most important statements and one of punk rock's first bows. There have been books written about it and a lot of very long-form reviews and documentaries and things like that. So I don't know that I can really do this album justice in the minute or two that I'm going to talk about it. But I will say this. This is rock and roll like you had not heard it before and probably haven't heard it since. I know this artsy, subversive, just like the best beat poetry, music that reaches a rare and euphoric beauty and intensity. It reaches back to the ghosts of the past and then takes them and strangles them and rewrites their story. It opens, for example, with a song that at least on paper you recognize as Van Morrison and them's Gloria, but then you put the needle on and it doesn't sound like Gloria. It has the opening line, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Well, that's a little heavier than like to tell you about my baby. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton, pot of thieves, wild cord of my sleeve. And then in Land, she juxtaposes gripping murder imagery against the sheer joy of Chris Kenner's 60s hit Land of a Thousand Dances and somehow manages to capture every single emotion ever felt in rock and roll music over the course of nine minutes. The album is challenging, chilling, confrontational, confident, exciting, unconventional, and most of all, brilliant. And it's why I can put it on with fresh ears every time. It's not an album that, honestly, I listen to a lot for pleasure. So, therefore, it refuses to take up a comfortable spot in my brain. If you go into it expecting anything as relatively accessible as Because the Night or Dancing Barefoot, I'm afraid that you're going to be a little disappointed. But if you put it on with no expectations and a sense that anything can happen, this music has the power to take you places that you didn't even know were possible. So therefore, it is my number one this week, Horses by Patti Smith. I have to say this, Patti Smith and her record label should hire you because the way you just sold that, I want to go listen to this album right now. Oh, good. Well, thank you. You're welcome. No, thank you. Like, and I, I am available I knew it was for out hire. there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm available for work as a uh, PR guy and a private dick. Either way. Either way. Yes. A or B. A, A or B. Sometimes C. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Our top five albums of 1975. If you have a list, head over to Facebook to the Only Three Lads Facebook page and give us your list. We'll talk about it next week because I know there's a lot of great albums. Like I said, for me, finding alternative albums or that classic alternative album in 1975 wasn't so easy for me. But because um, a lot of it was like a lot of hard rock and rock that year. Yeah. Uh, but some amazing stuff came out and uh, really a big transition year, I think, for music in general. Absolutely. We managed to do it, though. I think we put together a good list of what could be construed as alternative music. All right. Well, let's talk about our list at number five for me this week. It was Kraftwerk and Radioactivity. At number four, Lou Reed, Lou Reed Live. At number three, The Tubes with their debut album. At number two, David Bowie, Young Americans. And number one for me of our my top album of 1975 is Roxy Music with Siren. All right. Ahoy. And my number five was Split Ends Mental Notes. Number four, Dr. Feelgood Down by the Jetty. Number three, Milk and Cookies Self-Titled Album. Number two, Noi, Noi 75. And number five, Patti Smith Horses. With, of course, a huge shout out to the Cap'n and to Neil. Arg. Love will keep us together. They will. And then they got divorced. Isn't that kind of ironic? But then when he died of cancer, she was sitting right next to him. Yes. So love did keep them together. They loved each other till the very end. It was, you could say, a muskrat love. (laughs) Muskrat love. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Love. Love stinks. Love stinks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Love stinks. Well, we want to thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, Hopefully, we didn't kill too many of your brain cells. Hopefully, you learned something. Maybe you want to go listen to Patti Smith's album, Horses. That's what I'll probably start doing. Uh, this evening but if there's anything that uh you think that we missed please get to the facebook page and give us a little idea of what you thought the five should be from 1975 please we love shout outs so give us your lists and uh perhaps we shall read them on a future episode we should well let's hit the randomizer see what we're talking about next week speaking of future episodes let's talk about a future episode about top five album openers just from 1974 to 1999 maybe gloria from patty smith maybe gloria from patty smith that would be a good one Mm -hmm. or young americans yeah that's a good one and if you haven't any idea for that you can put that on our facebook page your top five album openers all right brett is there anything else we need to say before we go i'm tired I'm Greg. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Your Uncle Gunner. Uncle Greg Gunner. Ooh, we get a and little sound. In 1975, I'm Baby Brett Weird. Uh, I was, I was, I was more than a toddler. I was like four and then five. You were a re-toddler. Uh, a re-toddler. <laughs> it's not nice, Brett. I was not I a know. re-toddler. It is not nice. I am now though. A re-toddler. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Kind of like reaching back. I don't know. I do want to kind of like regress. That would be wonderful. Remember like when you hung out with your friends at 18 to like 21 and you just went out every day and the things that are not important were so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, gosh, it'd be great. Yep. That's, that's my son's life this week. <laughs> yep. Your son, he's meeting all new friends. 
eating college pizza. parties every night so far. So you better study, kid. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, I guess we better book it. We will uh, see everybody next week for the top five album openers. As always, Greg Gunner, you. This is a real pleasure. What is what is my pronoun on on our love? It's not, it's it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Yes, that's what I hear every day. It's all your fault. Okay, cool. I'm the psychedelic warrior this week because I always had this thing where I told my wife when I made it as a rock star that I wanted to buy us a, a a big castle with a dungeon. I think I was going to call myself the psychedelic warrior, and I was always going to be wearing velvet like long robes and maybe carry a staff. And I'm going to tell you, Miss Fargo must really love you because after you telling her that, and she not like getting in a very fast car and going far away you are a keeper i think somehow she recognized that it would never happen (laughs) never say never never say never we still got time it could happen you got time if you're above dirt you got time (laughs) still happen oh boy as always thanks for listening and for now we will Say hello and wave goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.